Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. smiling, we're joyful, we're engaged. Yeah? Come on. Well, it's good to be here. It's good to be here with you this morning. Um, We are in our uh, fourth Sunday of our More series, our last Sunday of our More series. The kids are going to come and share a little bit about what they've learned in this series later on in the service. Um, But just to do a a really brief recap, we've been looking at... um, how we can get, first of all, more peace in our lives. Then we looked at how we can have more power through um, God at work in us. Last week, we looked at how can we live a life that's filled with more joy. And then today, as um, has already been mentioned, we're looking at more hope. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not actually going to be using the word hope that, that often. And we're going to be looking today at how can we live a, a true life a true life according to what the scripture says. Because I believe if we live a true life according to what um, the scripture says, then we're going to experience more peace, more power, more joy, and ultimately more hope. And we can walk in that light. And I want to be honest with you guys, because the, the underlying strap line for this series was, um, you can't buy these things in the shops. So we're coming up to uh, Christmas, that uh, time of year where... Everyone is saying that you need to get this or you need to get that. Or you've got people writing lists that I want this and I want that. And like the pressure to consume and to purchase is phenomenal this time of year. But all of these things that we've been talking about in this series and all the stuff that we read about in the scriptures, you can't buy in a shop. You can't go and exchange for some money more peace. We've got to look somewhere else um, for that. And I believe it's it's right here. It's right in, in the Bible. That's where we're going to find uh, the answer to these things. And for me, I think that this has been a real, um, yeah, like a real personal journey with me, particularly with this whole um, area of like being able to buy stuff. Because so often, so easily, I just fall into the trap of like, well, it's mine. I earned it. I spend what I want. You know, and it's like just so easy to do that. And like God's been working in me. He's revealed stuff to me. He's convicting in me. And, and now I'm starting to see transformation as I, as I try and be obedient in what God is calling me um, to in these areas of my life. And my prayer for you this morning and for, for us every Sunday morning is that God reveals something afresh in your heart. And that he convicts you of something that you're doing in your life that maybe isn't as pleasing to him as you might think it is or isn't aligned with what he has for you. And through that, you're obedient in the message and that you see transformation in your life. Even though it might be hard, even though you might not understand what he's saying, that you'll see a transformation in your life because ultimately we want to be living our lives to praise him, to glorify him. And as a Christian, our our journey is to become more like Christ. And none of us are there yet. None of us are there yet. And probably we're probably miles off it. But we're on that journey together. And today, I, um, we're going to be looking at what it means to live this true life. What things can we do? What practical things can we do 
to enable us to live a true life that we've been called to. So we're going to be jumping into the scripture. And just to give a bit of context, we're, we're in 1 Timothy this morning. And 1 Timothy is a letter. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul um, to a guy named Timothy. And uh, where we're at is that Timothy was Paul's apprentice. Uh, Paul calls him like the, his son in the faith. He, he raised him up. He taught him a lot of what he knew. And he was getting ready for, for Timothy to go, and go out into the world and effectively do what Paul was doing. And we see in this letter, Timothy is in a place called Ephesus. He's gone to the church of Ephesus, which Paul has set up. Now, he's been sent on a mission. Now, often when we think about... Um, going on missions, we think, oh, we're going to go and tell people who maybe don't know about Jesus, about him. It's like there's going to be this fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Now, that's not really the sort of mission that, put, uh, that Timothy's been sent on. He's been sent to go to a church who should know about Jesus and who he is, but they're getting it all wrong. There's, there's mixed up theology in this church. They're starting to preach from, from their own heart and their own thoughts and their own opinions as opposed to what God has been saying to them and what Jesus has been instructing them um, and it's causing division and Paul can see this and so he's like Timothy I want you to go there and I want you to confront these leaders you need to confront them with the truth as to what is right and what is wrong because at the moment what they're saying is wrong and we can see the fractions that are happening so that's where we're at in terms of this letter and um, the whole of 1st Timothy it's I encourage you to read it all, but we're sort of at the end of it in chapter 6. And this is like Paul's sort of closing statements to Timothy as a real encouragement. I read it as a real encouragement. like really spurring Timothy on, encouraging him um, as we're going to dive into today. So I'll read it. Um, please open up your Bibles or turn them on if you have them. Or you could just sit and listen. It says this from verse 11. But you, man of God... Flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honour and eternal power. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, and some, by professing it some people have departed from their faith. Grace be with you all. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my lives where I feel, in some ways, a little bit how Timothy, I think, would have felt this young man being sent on his mission to Ephesus to go and confront some leaders who are probably older in age and 
could be quite intimidating. He's been sent there to go and be like, excuse me, I think what you're saying is actually wrong. You know, to go and confront them. I feel like Timothy probably feels, I am well in over my head here. I am unqualified to be doing this. I am under, this is a pressure situation. I feel under pressure here. Like, is this all resting on me? I feel overwhelmed. I felt like that many times before. I remember a particular time where I, I sort of felt like that and I was like really questioning like, what is going on? What am I doing? Where's my identity in all of this? Was when I was about to step out into a year um, before I went to university. I did a, a, a year out, a gap year, doing some ministry over in Northern Ireland and I remember so vividly the, the Sunday night before I was supposed to go. I think I was supposed to fly on the Monday or whatever that week. And on the Sunday night I was at church and I, I just broke down. I broke down because I was like, who am I? Who am I to go and share this news? What qualifies me to go and do that? I almost feel like Timothy might have felt a little bit like this from the way Paul's writing to him, thinking, who am I to go and confront these leaders that what they're saying is wrong? What authority do I have? Do I speak in? I don't know about you, maybe you've had moments like that where you, you feel like your identity is questionable. You question it yourself, like, who am I? What am I doing in this place? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? I feel like Timothy's having, or Paul feels like Timothy's having a bit of an identity crisis here. And he needs to remind him who he is. And we see that in verse 11, the first verse we read together. It says this, but you, man of God. Man of God. Paul's saying, do you know who you are, Timothy? In all the other times he writes to him, he uses his, word, his name. He writes to him as Timothy. Yet this phrase, man of God, that's significant. See, Timothy would have grown up knowing, reading the Old Testament. And he would have known the scriptures very well. And he would have known that in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, that phrase, man of God, was only assigned to certain individuals, key players in the faith. People such as Moses. Samuel, King David, Elijah, Elisha. And now Paul is putting that phrase on Timothy, saying that you're one of these guys. Do you know who you are, Timothy? You're a man of God. Wow. Why would he have done that? Because he wanted Timothy to know. It would have drawn attention to him that Paul was addressing him by that phrase. He's saying, do you know who you are, Timothy? Do you know that? Do you remember who's called you into this? Do you remember your identity and where you stand? Do you remember that you are a man of God? And if you do, then you need to think like that. You need to act like that. You need to live like that. You need to speak like that. That's the authority which you go in, Timothy. Not as you are by nature as a sinful man who we all know we all are, but by the person you are Through the grace of God. That's a man of God, knowing that I am forgiven and I stand in a place where God's grace has fallen upon me. Do you know who you are, Timothy? And the beautiful thing is now that that phrase, man of God, for anyone who has said yes to Jesus, who knows that Jesus lives in here, in this very room today, then you too are a man or a woman of God this morning. Do you know that? Or have you forgotten it? Do you remember that moment that you said, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. Come and live in my life. That qualified you to be called a man or a woman of God. And that's the identity that you now hold. 
That is who you are. So if ever you feel like you are overwhelmed, you are under pressure, you are in an identity crisis and you don't know what you're doing, remember this, that you are a man or a woman of God. I've been listening to a book called uh, Know Your Why by Ken Coster and in that book he talks about this, this idea of identity and that it's only when we are secure in our identity, secure in Christ as our identity, it's only in that moment, in that point, that we can actually fully step into what God is calling us to do. Because if we, if we miss that part, then we're not going to fully be able to step into it because we're not going to understand it. We're going to miss it. It's only when we fully accept, when we fully understand, when we fully tell ourselves, I'm a man or I'm a woman of God, what does that mean for me? It means I can step fully into my destiny that he's calling me to. So to take hold of true life, I feel God's telling us that we must rest in the assurance of our identity in him. Rest in that. Take heart in that. That You don't have to strive to become something else. When you say yes to Jesus, that is it. I don't know if you have any dreams um, of being able to do things or whatever. Maybe it's a dream in your career or whatever it might be. Dreams in your life. Um, I... I've written down here in my notes, like a dream for me is always to, to be in shape. I always want to be in shape. I'm, I'm a sporty guy, active. I always want to be in shape. I don't want to be out of shape. And you know, if, if six packs come along and bulging biceps come along, then great. You know, that, is that living the dream? Probably not. But it's been a bit of a dream for me. It's a loose, it's a loose analogy for you here. Go with me. As you can see, I'm not there yet. My biceps aren't massive. Look at somebody else who goes to the gym and you'll see that they've worked out a lot harder than me. And the reason why I I'm not experiencing that right now is because I'm lazy. It's because sitting on the sofa with a bar of chocolate is much more appealing to me than going out to the gym or going for a run. That's the honest truth. And my dream of being really fit, being ripped, being muscly is, is always going to remain a dream for me and, until I allow it to affect my reality until I allow that dream to come and impact my everyday. And at the moment, I'm not allowing that to happen, so therefore, the dream remains a dream. If you've got something up there that you're dreaming, you're aspiring to, in order to see that fulfilled, you're going to have to affect that, your here and now. That has to affect your here and now. The dream has to step in and invade your reality. Why am I talking about that? Well, because in the scripture, what we read here is that Paul says to Timothy, take hold of eternal life to which you were called to. You see, we're, we're told about there's an eternity, aren't we? We're told there's an eternity out there that we're, we exist far beyond what we are now. But do we let that invade our reality? I'll use this piece of rope here to help illustrate. Imagine that this rope is a timeline, your timeline, your existence. And this rope just goes on and on and on and on and on. It never ends. Did you know that you're an eternal being? That you don't just end. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. And this little piece here that I've taped up, that is your time on earth. In comparison to all of this. And yet so often we get so fixated on this tiny little part of our eternity that we forget about everything else. We forget where we're going to be 
forever. We forget that. We don't think about that. All we think about is, you know, if I work really hard here, then I can enjoy my life here. How small mindset is that? If I work really hard, I'm going to have a great few years here where I can just sit back and chill out with a couple of margaritas. No, we missed the point. We missed the point. If we don't ever think about eternity, then we're never going to live life to the full that God has called us to whilst we're here on this earth. Because our time is short. Our time is so short here on this earth. And what we do here, as we read in Scripture, what we do here, the decisions that we make here, have massive effect on our destiny, on our eternity. The decisions that we make now will impact us and others for their eternity and our eternity. Do we get that? Do we have that mindset? Do we have an eternal perspective this morning? Or am I just thinking, what am I going to have for lunch today? We need to have an eternal mindset. See, Paul, he has an eternal perspective on life. We see that through all of his writings. And we see particularly in 2 Corinthians, it says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. It's temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Paul's fixing his eyes on eternity. He's He's not ignoring the here and now. He knows that the here and now is so important. And what he does in the here and now has eternal consequences. But he's like, I'm not going to get bogged down and distracted with what the world is trying to get me to look at. What the world wants to rob my time with. He's got, I've fixed my eyes on the prize. He says, I'm going to run the race. Run the race for the prize, the prize of eternity in God, with God in heaven. What's our eternal perspective this morning? And I think he wanted Timothy to know that. He wanted Timothy to bring that to the church. Be like, you've got it all wrong. Do you know who you are and do you know your destiny? You're a man of God and you've got a destiny with the Father. See, when we view um, tomorrow, if we have a mindset of viewing tomorrow, then surely that's going to impact our today. Surely that's got to impact our today. It's going to impact. If I have an eternal mindset, That's going to impact how I live my life, the decisions that I make. How much am I going to spend in the Bible, in his word? How much am I going to spend praying, growing my relationship with my heavenly father? How much am I going to invest in in other people, in my giving, both time, financially? The things that I own on this earth, how, how am I dealing with that? Is it me? Is it all mine? Is it selfish? Or am I here to give? Am I here to to love? All of these little decisions in our lives that we make hundreds and thousands of times each day, if we've got an eternal mindset, that will change the way we think. That will change the way we behave. That will change what we say and what we do. See, Jesus often said that the kingdom is near. We're carriers of the kingdom. Did you know that? When you've got Jesus inside you, you carry the kingdom. And it's, it's almost like we don't just see this as something linear, but it's like if I've got this in mind, I can bring this into my reality. I bring the destiny, the dream, as I said, into my reality. I can bring heaven here. Yeah. Is that not exciting? Yeah. 
that we're carriers of the kingdom, that we can see Jesus alive at work in us this very day because I know where my destiny is, but also because I know who I am in him and what I carry as I step into the place. I've been told in the break because I didn't know exactly who they were as I was found this quote, but I loved it, so I wanted to share it with you. This um, lady called Joni Erickson Tada, that's Tada, whichever way you want to, Tada, there you go, um, writes a book. She writes this book, Heaven, Your Real Home, and I just loved this when I read it, and I want to share it with you. It says this, when a Christian realizes his citizenship is in heaven, when you realize that your citizenship is in heaven, you begin to act as a responsible citizen on earth. You invest wisely in relationships because you know that they are eternal. Your conversations and goals and motives become pure and honest because you realize that these are gonna have a bearing and everlasting reward. You give generously of time, money and talent because you're laying up treasure for eternity. You spread the good news of Jesus Christ because you long to fill heaven's ranks with your family, your friends, and your neighbors. You see, when we have that mindset that we are not just citizens of this earth, but we are citizens of heaven, that we know where our destiny is, that's going to impact my day to day. I've got to let that invade my day to day. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm missing the point and I'm getting it wrong. To take hold of true life, we've got to allow the promise, the promise of our destiny to become reality in our everyday. We are promised when we say yes to Jesus, we have got eternity with him. That's the promise. We've got to allow that to invade our everyday. Can I invite the band up, please? That'd be great. So this morning, I want us to take away two things which ultimately come to one thing. I want us to remember who we are. If you said yes to Jesus, I want you to remember this morning who you are in Christ, that you are a man or a woman of God. And you should be walking around with your shoulders high and your head held high, proud in, in this, I don't know, uber confidence because of that. Now, as Christians, we should be the most joyful, the most excited, the most um, dependable, the most awesome people on this planet that they've ever seen. Why? Because we've got Christ living in us. And half the time I look around, and even at myself, and I think, you don't look like a Christian because you don't look like you're carrying what Jesus has placed inside you. And I need to wake up. I need to wake myself up every morning and remind myself who I am in God. And I want you to remember or to know that your destiny, that you have an eternal, eternal destiny. It doesn't stop when our earthly lives stop. Keep focused on that. Allow that to impact your every day. You see, because when we do that, Paul then writes to Timothy, he says, you can then fight the good fight. That's how we're going to fight it. We're going to flee from all these things that the world wants to grab us with. And we're going to pursue, we're going to chase after the righteousness, the godliness, the pure, the love, the endurance. 
And ultimately that all comes down to whether we believe or not that Christ is enough for us. Whether we can wholeheartedly say, Christ, you are enough for me. If I was to get nothing else for the rest of my life, I've got enough. I've got more than enough for what you did on the cross for me. Is Christ enough for you this morning? What he did, is that enough for you? Because there are times in my own life when I've probably not felt that and I've chased after something that the world's offered. Is Christ enough for you this morning? See, true life is when we allow the assurance of our identity in him and the promise of our destiny to invade our every day, which means that Christ is enough for me. Can I invite you to stand if you're able? And I just want to pray. We're going to enter into a time of worship and Hannah's going to come and lead us in our offering shortly. But let's just take a moment to pray, to pause, to think about what's been said. Spirit is here. He's moving. He's speaking to you. Listen to him. Don't ignore it. Don't miss it. As I said at the start, I pray that there's revelation in this place this morning. What has God revealed to you about himself or about you? Is there conviction in this place this morning? What is it in my life that I need to change, Lord, to become more like you? Help me, Father, be transformed. I pray, Lord, that we'd wake up remembering who we are in you. Lord Jesus, would you remind us of that day by day? Not just today and then we forget it, but Lord, remind us and keep on reminding us who we are in you, where our identity lies. It's unshakable. And Father, help us keep our eyes fixed on you and where we are headed. Let us not be distracted by what the world is offering. But Lord, let us say that you are enough for us and that we want to finish the race well. We want to run the race well because we know that the prize is to come. And help our destiny impact this very day right now. How I love my family how I speak to my neighbours, how I am as an employee. Help me, Lord, to bring heaven on earth. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.